Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greetings, fans of the esoteric, and welcome to Madame Magenta and the Arcati Killer, Chapter England Who, which might be another pun. I can't remember what I was thinking. It's pro- they're usually puns, aren't they? Yes, probably. Anyway, you get to do quite a bit in this. Bird, oh goodness me! Because there's Elspeth and oh, right. Fazir. Sorry. Right. <laughs> nice. Okay. Good. Good stuff. Right. right. Fazir is very posh, isn't he? Fazir is posh, and Elspeth has a sort of has a TV historian's kind of delivery. Ah, uh, yes. She's lisping. Yes. Sort of like a, a little bit like Drew Barrymore. We discovered. This is what I thought. Yes. All right. Yes. <clears throat> okay. It's a shame you can't be here, Fazir's. Elspeth said down the phone, using a pet name he'd not heard for over two decades. You'll miss the fun and games. Are you drunk? He asked incredulously. Elspeth giggled, coquettishly in his ear, invading his personal space even at a distance of almost 3,000 air miles. No, silly. Just excited. Fazir grunted. Do a grunt. Uh. Elspeth had been worryingly giddy since they'd firmed up the details for Magenta's kidnapping and the summoning of the demon. Fazir suspected that Elspeth had wanted to do something of this ilk for some time, and had probably been missing the excitement that came with working with his preternaturally talented deceased brother Arlie. The prospect of getting her hands on a live sensitive and dabbling with the unknown had certainly put a spring in the mad old bat's step. I've decided I will be coming to England after all, Fazir said primly. So in fact, I will not be missing the fun and games, as you put it. Oh, lovely, trilled Elspeth after a tiny but noticeable pause, as if she didn't want him there. But won't it be problematic entering the country? There are still ways. I'm just working out the details. Since it'd previously been detained, getting into England undetected was a little trickier than normal. But quite apart from his long-cherished desire to tap into powers thus far denied to him, oh, what bliss it would be to talk with the animals, was the urge to look Magenta in the eye once more, to know for sure if she had been responsible for the summoning of that terrifying angel, the theft of the ring, and his incarceration. He couldn't miss that. Once she had confirmed his suspicions, it would be all the sweeter to watch Elspeth's ritual and the potential devouring of her very soul by dark forces. Fazir shifted uneasily in his chair at the mental images this conjured. Okay, so maybe sweet wasn't the word, but he was fairly sure there would be an element of righteous satisfaction to it. Anyway, it was quite possible that the dark forces in question might just shake her up a bit, rather than take possession of her eternal spirit and leave her body a lifeless husk. 
Even a gentle roughing up would be quite terrifying and sufficient as far as revenge goes. She'd certainly regret having ever messed with him, that was for sure. So, yes, maybe he'd quietly suggest Elspeth shouldn't allow it to go too far. We must do the ritual shortly after seizing her. Fazir continued. I don't want to hold her prisoner for long. There is more likelihood of the authorities getting involved if she goes missing for more than 24 hours. Of course. We shall take her on the morning of the 31st. The ritual will begin around 11.30pm and will be completed by the stroke of midnight. How dramatic. Fizier said, nibbling at a hangnail. I suppose it is, said Elspeth. But the timing is significant, partly because if something goes a little wrong and we end up with a corpse to dispose of, it will work in our favour. How so? asked Fazir, confused and rather unnerved. Don't you worry about that, Elspeth said sweetly. I'll handle the details. You just look forward to having cosy chats with chaffinches. Oh, all right, murmured Fazir, aware that he should probably know everything due to being the boss, but also fairly happy to pass the dirty work on to someone else. The result is what mattered, and bosses were supposed to delegate, weren't they? After all, the actual process was a bit distasteful. It was the difference between dining on a delicious meal of cocovan versus spending several minutes desperately clubbing a hen to death with a wine bottle. One could be enjoyed in a gastropub, the other could not. One was a childhood memory seared into his brain after a traumatic summer at his uncle's farm, the other was not. Fazir gazed at the framed photo of Mary on his desk. The angle of the camera made it look like she was smiling, despite her beak. He often thought of Mary, his uncle's favourite chicken, who'd suddenly turned on him like a small, rabid dragon. He'd only wanted to befriend her, and instead... You <laughs> said corpse. Fazir added, tearing his mind away from his feathered ex-friend. I'm sure it won't come to that. Elspeth sounded brisk now, almost impatient. But please don't fuss about the small print, Fazir. If the situation becomes more interesting than we anticipated, Elspeth will deal with it. Elspeth always does. You're just going to have to trust me like your brother did. End of chapter. Well, so we get a good idea of what they've got, what's in store for Magenta. And if I'm not mistaken, a little softening of Fazir's character. Yes, that yeah. does rather look as if it does. Yes. And Elspeth is getting even more, more sinister. More sinister. Yeah. Maybe a role reversal oh. happening there. Although, are we, are we doing York notes on this? Are probably, we, are yes. We explaining, over explaining to and the audience. Probably spoiling aspects of the story that we have, in fact, forgotten. <laughs> course of time. But maybe we are wrong. Maybe this is an elaborate ruse. Yes. Things being pulled over yes. the reader's eyes. I mean, eyes. it's a very complex book, so it I is, wouldn't be surprised. It is. Should we do another chapter? It was quite short. It was it? rather short. So this, the next chapter is called Detective Dunlittle. Oh, yes. What's that a pun? Doolittle? Probably Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle. Dr. Doolittle. But instead then, of Dr. Doolittle, we have Detective Dunlittle. I'm sure all will become clear over <laughs> yeah. the course of the chapter. And that's all there is to it. I clock Eldris's expression. It's the truth. You're just going to have to trust me. Trust is for people too scared to face reality. Trust is for fools. Eldris growls. You must be a fun boyfriend. I'm single. Oh, surprise, surprise. Eldris scowls, although actually he's been quite kind to me while I've explained about the telepathy, nodding and allowing me to speak without interruption, though his face always betrays his thoughts. He seems a little transparent for a detective, in my opinion, or maybe it's because I'm just better at people reading than most. 
He's not being quietly respectful and pleasant because he believes me, of course. Rather, he's allowing me to open up in the hope that I'll incriminate myself or reveal the way my mind works. I do much the same with my clients as a practicing spiritualist. I'm much better at it than Eldris. Successfully reading another person's underlying motives and desires tends to rely on an instinctive understanding of human behaviour, and I'm not sure Eldris possesses much of that. I believe he's aware of these shortcomings. I once clocked a Psychotherapy for Idiots book poking out of his briefcase during a previous meetup. So he's a trier, bless him. But there's no escaping the fact he's working with a limited toolkit. All right, then. You've heard what I have to say. Would you like some proof? I proffer. Eldris looks surprised. Dave, I call, clapping my hands. Davy wavy. Dave, come to mummykins. Bit of foley there. Yes, very impressive. Dave slinks out from under the table where he's been sat on my foot for the last ten minutes, keeping it nice and toasty and increasingly numb. Eldris jumps slightly, having been unaware of the presence of a dog. Sherlock, he is not. There's been lots of shouting. Dave says accusingly, furry eyebrows furrowed. I bend and give him an apologetic ruffle, and he instantly forgives me and tells me how lovely I smell. He also thinks fox crap smells lovely, so I don't let the flattery go to my head. Have you smelled Eldris, Dave? I ask. Big smelly stinky poo Eldris. Dirty great plop head Mr. Pooey Pants Detective. Does he reek of bad police work, Dave? Stinks of it. Yuck! I look up from petting Dave and smile at Eldris's unhappy fizzog. What does he have to say, then? Any insights on the case? He asks with a distinct edge of sarcasm, folding his arms. I return my attention to Dave. He smells very interesting. Dave says, shyly, looking at Eldris, his tail gently thumping the floor. Go on, I urge. Tell me what he's been up to. Dave trots over to Eldris, who abruptly pulls his leg up and away from Dave's probing nostrils. Let him smell you, I admonish, and Eldris reluctantly returns his foot to the ground, obviously feeling silly. Dave's tail briefly wags in thanks, and he gets stuck in. Well? Eldris asks stiffly after several moments have passed. Give him a chance. Pat him, why don't you? Eldris pats him in a very literal staccato fashion, as if he's gently squashing individual bugs on Dave's head. Not a dog person, it seems. Dave enthusiastically licks Eldris's hand in return, which goes down as well as you'd expect. Overall, about 20 silent seconds of smelling and licking pass, and then Dave starts telling me things. Lots and lots of things which I relate to Eldris as quickly as they're told to me. About his office, about orange squash, a powerful attraction to a woman with watery eyes, a trip he took to see his mum on Tuesday, decomposition details of recent corpses he's been around, how long since he washed his suit, getting caught in yesterday's downpour, the cat that wheezes in his flower beds, rather too much on that, I have to ask him to move on at that point, a rather florid description of ongoing intestinal problems, which I relate to more than I'd like, an intolerance to fructose, how many times he's silent... How many times he's silently farted since he's been here, and I'd thought it was Dave, poor Dave. It takes a good 15 minutes to report. At several points, Eldris tries to speak, but I raise my voice and plough on, rattling off information like an auctioneer. It's very satisfying watching Eldris while his life is laid bare. He's making a real effort to remain poker-faced, and it's not working at all. Ha! Dave is still relaying various bits of information, ten to the dozen, when I decide to stop. I think I've proved my point. I look at Eldris and wait. Darren Brown does the same sort of thing, Eldris eventually says. 
Yes, he appears to. And yes, almost everyone who claims to have psychic abilities is in fact a cold reader. I myself employ cold reading methods with my clients, but that's not what I was doing this time. There's another silence to allow Eldris time to think up further objections. He shakes his head in disbelief and looks out of the window to the back garden. I can see he's spooked, but his rational mind is fighting it. Good! He'd be an even worse detective than he already is if he believed all that powers beyond our ken business. Because really, crime is only ever committed by bog-standard humans to other humans. It never, ever has a mystical context. Oh, apart from when I broke into a Swiss bank at the behest of a ghost. But let's ignore that one. That's what I believe is referred to as a statistical outlier. He's thinking hard, mentally arranging his arguments. I can sense a debate coming up about laboratory testing of telepathy, yada yada, Richard Dawkins, blah, the evils of homeopathy, medium psychics, and I'd prefer to avoid it. Especially as I agree wholeheartedly with most of what Eldris would say. I'm too emotionally uninvested in my dubious profession to defend my position that much. I've just remembered something, I say, because I have. Listening to Dave has sparked a memory. Sandra's boyfriend. Bobo told me he smelled of of sex. Eldris refocuses and fixes me with a steely but befuddled gaze. More specifically, Bobo said he'd been cheating on Sandra with her neighbour. I didn't tell you because the whole murder thing overshadowed it. But it's important, isn't it? The neighbour might know stuff about him. It's a lead, isn't it? Yes. Possibly. I don't know. Eldris shakes his head, poor confused bastard. I stand up. Eldris watches me warily. Dave tenses, stiff with anticipation, clearly thinking we're heading out for a walk. And he's right, because that's what you do with a new lead. You go walkies. Oh, very good. Good fun. That's very good. You go, and also sort of dramatic. I mean, that's a, that's a solid pun. But that's what you do with a new lead. You go walkies. I mean, there'd be a strong swell of music in the film there, wouldn't it's, there? It's a hard-boiled detective thing to say, I think. Uh, absolutely, yes. yes. That's, that's very good detective writing, my dear. Thank you. Yes, well, it all happened, didn't it, in real life? Of course it did, yes, yes. in real, actual life. Yes, to me. To you, Magenta. All right. Uh, listen up next week. Goodbye. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Space. Multiverse. Stars. One Stars. One Star Reviews. Join Negative Nancy and Chatbot aboard the Space Windu as they bring you the worst One Star Reviews from all across the universe. I'm supposed to say that we promise to bring you the very best One Star Reviews from all across the multiverse. But you know what? I don't believe it. I don't believe that for one second. I'm rating my driver Marcus one star. Not for his driving ability, but instead for his disloyalty and cowardice. Blackluster moon vacations. A can of beans. Abandoned malls. Cat beds that don't come in human sizes. Dragon stuff. Come have a laugh back at the one star reviewers. Listen to the one stars wherever you get your podcasts.